seats. It's great to be together tonight uh, as that uh, video was playing from San Pedro Sula. Uh, my wife came back and said, that sounds just like you. I was like, well, that is me. <laughs> and uh, what it was was they said this PowerPoint. It was really cute, but it was, it was like the screen was all a letter, and then there was this teeny little picture, you know, in the next PowerPoint slide, and this big letter. It just So if we would have put it on screen, it would have just been all text in this teeny little picture. So I just turned it into a video there, but I didn't tell my wife I was doing it. So she's like, she and my son are like, that sounds just like Dad. But he's saying... You know, he's talking like he's from there. That's because I was just reading their letter. So I thought about reading it in a Spanish accent, but I thought that would have been been too weird. Couldn't have done it with a straight face. But uh, we're uh, in the middle of a worship series right now called Facebook. This is the second. We took a break for Mother's Day. I feel like I'm lisping every time I say that. But uh, the title of the lesson today is, What's Your Status? A couple weeks ago, uh, Javier preached, and his uh, lesson title was, Friend Me. Today, it's, What's Your Status? Uh, how many of you guys use Facebook? Okay, so, you know, pretty much a majority. A few people don't. For those that don't, I just want to throw a couple things on the screen so you know what it looks like. This is my Facebook page. And uh, basically, you have this wall here, and you just post stuff and other people post stuff but there's this little box here where it says status and and right now it says what's on your mind it used to say what's your status and that's kind of where we got the idea of the lesson but you know that is a pretty deep question if you think about it what's your status have you ever ignored a status report how many of you guys have ever ignored a fuel gauge status are you you know what I'm saying you know hoping it'll it's not true Maybe ignored an account balance status or a bill status. Uh, you know, sometimes we can be confused or incorrect about what our status is. Uh, for me, one time I was taking this class in college. Is this thing working? Did it stop working? I have a backup one. Let's try this one. See? I learned. That's how I roll. That's how I roll. Uh, I had this class in college, it was advanced painting. And I don't know why I was taking painting class. I like painting, but it had nothing to do with my major. I'm just wasting money, you know, taking this painting class. And um, I had taken the, the, the first painting class, I really liked it, so I'm taking advanced painting. And, and uh, you know, a, a little bit into the semester, maybe a few weeks in, uh, the, the instructor says that next time we're going to have a nude model. And so I was a Christian at the time. I'm like, oh, you know, I don't like that. So I, I didn't go, and I painted at home. And then I kept hearing there was, new, you know, nude models. And so I, I, I kept skipping class, and I would paint at home. I actually got sick in there, and so I, you know, was not going. So then, you know, a month goes by or something, and I show up to class, and uh, we're having this thing where people are displaying their paintings. And basically, you would just paint in class, and then... Uh, everyone would display their paintings. You'd take turns talking about them and what does this represent and you make up what it represents, you know, uh, so you can impress everybody. But uh, anyway, I had my paintings there and, and, and we're talking to the professor. He says to me, he goes, who are you? And I said, I'm in your class, you know, and uh, I've been sick. I've just been painting at home, you know, and I was so cowardly that I didn't want to confront the situation and say, uh, you know, I... 
I didn't feel comfortable painting nude people, and so, you know, that's why I didn't come. And so I just kind of ignored the situation, and, and, and he, he ended up saying the best you could possibly do in my class is a D. And at the end of all of it, he, he ended up giving me a C, and his thing said, your painting out, outweighed your attendance. But, you know, I was just ig- ig- trying to ignore the situation. And I, and I wasn't aware of my status with the professor. I thought everything's fine. I'm cool with the professor. And come to find out, I was not cool with the professor. He's like, who are you? And uh, as, we were th- as I was thinking about this lesson, thinking about what's your status, I thought about, you know, spiritually, what is our status? What's our status with God? What's our status with Jesus? And I think a lot of times, and, and this has been me at times uh, for sure, we want to kind of ignore our spiritual status kind of like me with my professor in college, just sort of, you know, you know it's not good, but you don't really want to go there. You don't really want to deal with it. And uh, in fact, I remember being a young person and uh, sometimes hearing a preacher who would talk about Jesus coming back and, oh, you know, let's pray that Jesus returns. And, we, you know, kind of in a lesson, maybe talk about how exciting it's going to be when he comes back. And I remember in my soul feeling like, oh, I hope it's not soon. Because I know that I, my status is not good. I know I'm not right with God right now. And, uh, you know, I, can you relate to that feeling of just kind of, I don't, I don't really want to go there. You know, those confrontational questions like, what would happen if you died tonight? What would ha- how would you feel if the Lord Jesus returned? But you know what, that's a pretty important status question. It's a, a pretty important issue to raise. And we're going to look at, uh, at that question together today and and we should be willing to to look at that you know ask yourself honestly jesus what's my status if we were in a couple's counseling time with you and jesus and the counselor said jesus how do you feel about this person you know what would jesus say what's your status spiritually are you with me because we all need that and you know that was a long time ago what i was talking about as far as being afraid but uh i need regular status updates even as a, as a you know, Christian, I'm on a journey with Jesus. And so I need regularly to kind of update, how am I doing, Jesus? You know, what is my status with you? Where are you taking me? How do you feel about me? And here's how I feel about you. And, you know, I, need to, I just need that ongoing relationship, that ongoing journey. And so this is such an important topic to talk about. Go ahead and turn over to Matthew 19. The first point is, what's my status? Matthew 19. I'm going to say a prayer before we open the Bible, and then we'll jump into to Matthew 19. God, thank you that you make yourself so clear to us in your word. Thank you that uh, we live in a day and a time when we can each have our own copy of your word. And it's just amazing how you come to life in the pages of the scriptures. It's also amazing how Satan tries to keep people out of the Bible, because he knows the power of the scriptures. And I pray right now as we look in the Bible that your Holy Spirit would really work. God, I pray that he would speak to each one of us. And I pray we could each have a heart of wanting to know, what is my status? And being willing to, to, uh, to look at ourselves spiritually so that we can uh, make changes and so we can be the people that you want us to be. I know everyone here wants to serve you, God. We want to please you. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here this afternoon. And I pray that you would hear our prayer right now and that you would open our hearts to the scriptures. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Matthew 19, verse 16, uh, we're going to look at a couple stories here that uh, have to do with this idea of our status. And uh, this is in the middle of Jesus' ministry. He's been traveling around to different cities, preaching, 
and healing, making disciples, and, and, and he's got his, his 12 apostles that are following him, and he's training them as he's going along. And uh, they're kind of in the middle of all this, and this guy comes up to Jesus in Matthew 19, verse 16. It says, Now a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones? The man inquired. Jesus replied, Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then, come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad, because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Peter answered him, We've left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, that the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits in his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who's left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. You know, this man comes up to Jesus, a devout man, spiritual man, an observer of the law, a Jewish man, and he says... Uh, you know, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He's kind of asking the question, what's my status? Where do I stand? And he's a little off in his understanding. He says, what good thing must I do? And it's, but it's interesting that Jesus doesn't say, there is no good thing you can do. You just need to believe in me. Or he, he, doesn't, he doesn't kind of correct that in the sense of saying, well, all you need to do is believe. You hear that a lot. Just believe in Jesus. That's all you need to do. But Jesus doesn't say that, does he? Instead, he kind of goes, he sort of zeroes in on the guy's heart. In fact, in Mark, the, the same story in Mark, it says Jesus looked at him and loved him. You know, you just picture Jesus peering right into his soul and, and looking, looking at his heart and going, what does this guy need? And there's something going on here because Jesus talks about the commandments and he mentions some of them. And of course, Jesus was a Jew and the, uh, the man was a Jew, and, and kind of central to their faith was the Ten Commandments, which are the, the commandments that God gave Moses inscribed on, on ta- stone tablets. And they even seem represented around here in this Jewish synagogue. And, um, you know, the first five of those deal with our relationship with God. The second five deal with our relationship with people. And he doesn't give all the Ten Commandments. He just gives four of the last five. The, one he, the ones he leaves out, he leaves out the ones having to do with God, and he leaves out the one about coveting. The, the last one, which is don't cover your, covet your neighbor's wife or your neighbor's stuff, your neighbor's car, your, you know, the Audi down the street or the Mercedes. Don't covet stuff. Don't want stuff. Don't want it so bad that it affects you. 
Why did Jesus leave those out? I don't know exactly. But the man says, oh, I've kept the ones you mentioned. And Jesus seems to leave out something that the guy probably had an issue with, as we see later. That his heart was captured by stuff. That he wanted things more than he wanted a relationship with Jesus. Because what happens, he went away sad because it says he had great wealth. In the the book of Mark, the, the parallel version, Jesus says, one thing you lack. Just one thing. And so to, to deal with that, Jesus says, now what you, all you got to do is just go sell everything you have, give it all to the poor, and then come follow me. You know, Jesus' Jesus's answer is, I'm going to give you a prescription that's going to deal with the issue of your heart. Your cancerous, vacant heart, because you've been consumed by things. Sell everything you have, and that's going to put you in the right place. Take this scary step of faith, and then follow me. You know, this is challenging, isn't it? And, and, you know, it's true that Jesus doesn't tell every person he meets this is what they have to do. This was for this guy. But he does expect the same kind of thing from our heart. You know what I mean? He expects the same heart, uh, the same transformation of our heart. Because I think, as Americans especially, we can be a lot like this guy. Because on a global scale, we're all really blessed with wealth. And Jesus does say in Luke 14:33 on the screen there, in the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. If you're not familiar with this passage, the same way, what he's talking about is two kings who are going to war against each other, and one knows he's going to lose because he only has half as many soldiers as the other. And so if you know you're going to lose, you offer terms of peace and you say, I surrender. Jesus says in the same way, if you want to be my follower, you give up everything you have. It's, you know, the, 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 whoever's going to follow Jesus has to go through the same process that the man went through. Of, okay, I surrender. I give up everything. And, and the word disciple just means a follower, a student. It's, it's the word the Bible uses for a Christian. So Jesus is saying, to be a Christian, you must give up everything. Just like he demanded from this guy. And it, it might be, you know, what, what is that one thing for you? What, what is... Uh, got your heart. It could be possessions. It could be uh, money like this guy. It could be uh, just your, your work, you know, that, that, that you get more um, fulfillment out of your job than you do out of the kingdom or out of your relationship with God. It could be uh, your emotions. You know, you just don't want to invest emotionally in, in, in giving your heart to God. You'd rather just kind of go through the motions. It could be, um, you know, a particular sin that you're just have a really hard time giving up. It could be your time, that you're very, you know, you hoard your time. It could be a person. Uh, I was um, at, at Rocket Ship Park, this park near my house that kind of over, you can kind of look out over South Bay. And uh, it's kind of a cool little park that I was there with a couple of my kids and my dog uh, this last week. And um, I happened to overhear these teenagers who were having this conversation. I wasn't trying to eavesdrop, but, you know, they're just, the guy was kind of animated as he's talking to her. And I, it became apparent what was going on, that the girl was breaking up with him. They were sitting on a park bench there, and so she's just looking there, and he is just going, and, you know, he's just using his hands, he's going and going and going, you know, just, and, and, and what I heard him say is, he said, um, I don't have anything to live for except you. And if you want me to live, you won't do this. 
and, and you, you, I see you and you're just happy and you're having a great time with your friends and I just, I just can't even cry anymore. I can't even laugh anymore. You know, he's just like, I can't do anything. And, you know, and he said, you can, I know you want space. You can have as much space as you want, but don't do this. I, I don't have anything. I, I have nothing except you. You know, and it, it, it's just pitiful. You know, it's just, and, and, and it reminded me of when I was in high school and, and you'd see the couples, you know, that, that were in the high school. And you probably had this in your high school too. There was kind of those perennial couples and they always had drama. You know, you just see it right there in the high school campus, the drama. And, and, but, but there was part of me that wished that was me. I wish I had a girlfriend, you know, as a senior in high school, junior in high school. I wish I, I was a couple in high school. But but I became a Christian right before my senior year, and and I wanted to you know put things do things the right way. Are you with me, teens? You know I wanted to have a spiritual spiritual dating relationship, not do it the world's way. But there was a part of my heart that wished you know kind of wanted that. And so as I saw that scene unfolding, and and I reflected on my uh, you know my marriage, 17 years of awesome marriage. There's not even the slightest little bit of me that wishes I'd had that in high school. You know, I don't look back and go, man, I wish I missed out on that drama. Just being up and down emotionally and feeling like killing myself because this girl didn't. You know what I mean? I didn't miss out at all. I mean, God, God just serving God. He gave me exactly the right, gave it to me the right way when I was ready emotionally, mature enough to handle a relationship. But I, I think God, God has our best interests in mind. I might have wanted something, but God knew what was better. And I, and I think that God's the same way. Jesus is the same way. With this guy, he wasn't trying to pick on the guy. He was trying to do what's best for him. Because, you know, it might seem like, wow, this is kind of harsh, Jesus. But imagine the trajectory of the rest of his life. I mean, what, what do you think his uh, marriage was going to be like? You know, what do you think his relationship with his kids was going to be like? What do you, what do you think, uh, how deep do you think his relationships were? This guy who put his money above other things. You know, I would imagine that it didn't turn out too well. We don't know. We just have a snapshot of this guy's life. But don't you see Jesus was trying to help the guy? And I think he tries to help us too. But as we're faced with this, I think... It's always hard, and, and, and I think we, we go, man, this is hard. I mean, I look at this and I go, this is hard. I could not, that would be hard for me to sell everything I have, give it all to the poor, and then just be this itinerant preacher. You know, that would be hard for me, because I like stuff, and I like my comfort. You know, are you with me? It's hard. And, and I think the guys know it's hard. They're like, <laughs> they're like who then can be saved? This is Jesus. Says, yeah, you're right. It's hard. In fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for this guy to make it. And and I've heard different people say, oh, there's this gate in Jerusalem, and you know that was the eye of the needle. And and, and actually, that's just a preacher story. There's no evidence for that. Uh, there was something, but it was in the Middle Ages, not back in Jesus' time. He's talking about. I mean, from what I can see and what I researched, there's a camel. It's a camel and it's a needle. I mean, it's impossible. And, and, and that's the point. Jesus says, with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And I think that's what Jesus is looking for, is for us to go, I give up. I can't do it. It's like the king going to war against the other king going, I am going to lose. So I surrender. You know, just help me, Jesus. 
Just surrender. That's what he's looking for from each one of us. That, that's the status we need to have is, I'm a, I'm a wretch. I need you, Jesus. Because everything is possible with God. Uh, there was this uh, uh, team building exercise that me and some other ministers did up in Big Bear. And uh, it, it was really cool. We were up there for a, a minister's retreat. Marco took us up there and, and, uh, and Bruce. And uh, there was, I don't know how many of us were there, maybe 15 guys or something. And um, the, the, there's the, the camp counselor guys that say, we're going to do this team building exercise. So we're going to blindfold all of you. So they blindfold all of us. And then they say, we're going to take you to this maze and you have to find your way out. But if you need help, just raise your hand. But just the idea is just to try to get out. But there has to be no talking whatsoever, complete silence, and we're going to lead you there. So you have the blindfold on, and then you have your hands on the, the shoulders of the guy in front of you, and then you're just, they, they lead you out into the woods. And then they put each one of your hands on this rope, a piece of rope. And they say, follow the rope and find your way out of the maze. And if you need help, just raise your hand. Otherwise, just, you know, when you get out, we'll, 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 you, you'll wait for whoever else is still trying to get out. So, you know, you go and, you, and you're feeling along and you go this way for a long time and then you go that way. And, you know, you're bumping into the other guys and, and, and you're just trying to figure it out, trying to figure it out, trying to figure it out. And, and you know, I, I must have gone for maybe, I don't know, 10 minutes or something. And, and then I'm like, there is no way. I, 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 I just raised my hand. like what? And so the guy just, I, I raised my hand. What I was going to say is like, I was going to ask a question or something, but I'm like, I just need help. I, I can't. And so I raised my hand, and then the guy just grabbed me and took my blindfold off and then led me aside. And there was maybe three or four other guys that were out, and we're all, like, smiling because there is no way out. <laughs> it's just just this rope that goes around like this. <laughs> and there's about seven other guys that are, like, and they're just, you can see their faces. They're just like... Marco was one of the last ones. Weren't you? <laughs> no, no, I, I mean, <laughs> you, there was a couple other guys after you, right? But but his face was so classic because you know how Marco is super expressive. And he's just like, <laughs> and then finally, and every brother was the same, you know, you know, just like, <laughs> and, then they, and then they just laid you off, and you're like, oh, that's it? But I think that's, that's kind of spiritually what it's like. God's just waiting for us to, to surrender. We can keep trying to fight. We can keep trying to find our way out of this maze, but we're never gonna, it's never going to work. It's just like that story. You're never going to win if you try to fight against God. Your only option is just to unconditionally surrender. You know, God wants to set us free. You know, as you see these brothers trying to, you know, find their way out, you just want, you want to say something. I think that's why they say you have to be really silent, because you just, come on, just ask for help. There, I do remember there's one brother that was not Marco, but he was, he was going for a long time at the very end. And you just want so much for that person to surrender. I think that's what God wants from us. He wants to set us free. The surrendered heart is a happy heart. The surrendered life is a life of impact. Jesus isn't wanting to burden us. He's wanting to unburden us. And so he wasn't trying to put a burden on this guy's heart. He was trying to unburden the guy. And imagine what his life would have been like if he had gone and sold everything. Just imagine for a minute. You know, what, what, would, what would have gone through his heart? I mean, I'm sure he would have been scared as he's getting all his stuff together, as he's selling it, but... 
But imagine the looks on the faces of the poor people as he's giving stuff to them. You know, imagine the, um, imagine the impact he would have had on families. You know, like Scrooge and, and, and Bob Cratchit's family. You know, that's what would have happened. I mean, and imagine how his heart would have just become so alive as he gave all of his wealth away. And then he went off to follow Jesus. And who knows, he might have been like another Apostle Paul. He's probably an educated person. He might have planted churches. We would probably know him. And yet, we don't even know his name. He's just the rich young man. Or the rich young ruler. You know, we have a choice today to do it God's way, to surrender, or to to frustratingly, you know, proudly do it our way. And God is wanting to set us free. What's our status today? The goal here is that we would listen to God. And that we would be His friend. You know, God is trying to friend you right now. You know, you get those friend requests. And you can click ignore or you can click accept. God wants you to click accept with the friend request today. Number two, update your status. Update your status. Look at Acts 2. We're going to fast forward to another story here. Quickly, I have to go faster. Acts chapter 2. Now we fast forward. Jesus has died on the cross. He has risen from the dead. And he has gone into heaven. And so his people, this is the first lesson preached in his name after he went up to heaven. And this whole crowd comes together because of something miraculous that happens in Acts 2. And it draws a huge crowd. Peter preaches to this crowd. And they're, they're Jews who've come to Jerusalem for this festival, and they're, they're from all over. The Bible says every nation under heaven. All these Jews come together. Peter preaches to this crowd of thousands of people. And it says in verse, uh, we'll pick it up in verse 36. Acts 2:36 says, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to brother and the other, other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. Or I already read that. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, verse 38. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. You know, these people had a change of heart. They realized that they had no hope. They, they raised their hand. And they said, what, what do we do? You know, how do I update my status? I realize I, all things are, are possible with God, but they're impossible with me. So I need help. What do I do? And Peter's answer is repent, which is change your mindset. Change your whole view of the world. The, the, the Greek word is metanoia. Everything looks different after this change. It's a great change of heart. Change and be baptized. Be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins. This is a promise that's not just for you, but it's also for your children. It's also for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So that's for me, you and me. So we see in the first story that we've got to surrender all and follow Jesus. We add to it here that part of, of that repent, part of that, what that is is repentance. 
surrendering all and following Jesus is repentance and, and baptism. We, get, we see baptism added now after Jesus has died and been raised from the dead. He says to go make disciples and baptize them. And what it is is a participation in his death and his resurrection. And so as we are baptized, we're dying to our old life and we're being born again to a new life. This is just the teaching that you see in the Bible. And so this is the way that we are able to update our status. This is the way that we're able to have all of our sins forgiven and, and be wa- all of our sins washed away in one instant. And the Bible says we become a new creation. Isn't that awesome? Now, this is good news. It's good news that all of our shortcomings, that all of our wrongdoings can be totally washed away. And yet this is something that I think Satan wants to take away. You know, he... he there's a big controversy. If you, if you want to talk about baptism, you end up getting in arguments with people. And if you're, if you're a guest with us, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, people want to argue about whether you need to be baptized or whether you don't need to be baptized. Uh, but it's really clear in the scriptures that everybody who becomes a Christian, that's part of it. They get baptized. And baptism is the point where your sins are forgiven. And then from this point on, you live as a follower of Christ. Uh, and that's the way that, that, that we're transformed. And, and then once we're transformed, now we live for God and we become, we become clothed with Christ, the Bible says. It's like when he looks at us, he sees Jesus. Our status has been updated. He doesn't see us anymore in our sin. He sees Jesus because we've been clothed with him in baptism. Isn't that awesome? You know, if your identity is an American, you know, it's good to be an American, but it can, it can ebb and flow. You know, if, you're, if your identity is a Democrat or a Republican, you know, it can be up, it can be down. You, if, you're Republican, if, if your identity is you're an L.A. Lakers fan, you know, it's, been a, 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 it's not been a good year for you. Even the Celtic fans, you know, it's kind of rough. You know, but if, you're a child, if I'm a friend of God, that's my identity. Boy, you have a firm foundation, don't you? No matter what happens, nothing, nothing can take that from you. Paul, Paul in, in, in Romans 5 goes through this. It's a great, I mean Romans 8. He goes through a great uh, list of how nothing can take us away from God. He says, can trouble take us away from God? Hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword? No! And all those things, we're more than conquerors. I don't even know what that means. How can you be more than a conqueror? But we're more than conquerors in all these things. And he says, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Amen. Can I get an amen? amen. That is how you update your status. And, and if, if you're a member, you know, you know, you believe in baptism and, and, and we've, we've come to understand this. If you're a guest and, and you're kind of confused about this, we, we have some studies where you just go through and, and look at what the Bible has to say about repentance and baptism. And you'll see for yourself, here's what the scriptures are. And, and, and you kind of understand the process. But Paul, in his writings, he, he talks a lot about baptism, but he doesn't argue for baptism. Because it wasn't an issue then. You know, that was just, you get baptized. That's, that's part of, of the first century uh, set of beliefs. But he does argue from baptism. And what I mean by that is, look, look at a few scriptures, I'll just throw them on your screen. He says, because you're baptized, you're sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of us who are baptized in Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. Paul argues from baptism because we've been baptized. As we look around and we see the diversity, you know, we can be one in Christ Jesus. 
because of what? Because we were baptized. And now we're all Jesus. And so that is what allows us to not have all these racial and, and socioeconomic differences. In another verse, Romans 6, he says, We died to sin. How can we live it any longer? Don't you realize all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We are therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, we might live a new life. So he argues from baptism, because of baptism, we don't live in sin anymore. That's why we're different. That's why we're transformed, because we've been buried with him in baptism. One more verse. He says, in him you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature. Not with the circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. You know, we were marked with a seal. We've been chosen by God. We're now a royal priesthood. We're now a holy nation. We now have the Holy Spirit living in us. We have it made, not because of anything we've done, but because he chose us and because of that rebirth that we've been able to experience. Last point, regular status updates. You know, for for us who are members, we need reminders like this. That's what Paul's doing. He's, He's writing to Christians in those verses. And he's reminding them of their conversion. No matter how long ago it was, he's reminding them. I need to be reminded. It's been 23 years since I was baptized. It was a long time ago. And so I need reminders. I need regular status updates. What, I, what do I mean by that? I need that daily connection with God. I need that daily connection with people. I need to, you know, keep, keep, keep cleaned out, you know, keep the sin cleaned out, keep being called higher. I need that. Are you with me? Do you need that too? We need that regular status update. Uh, this is our church website, and I want to, I want to try something, uh, not our church website, but our church Facebook page. Everybody that's on Facebook, um, I'd like you to this week give you a practical challenge that I think will help us to kind of learn from each other. Go to the, uh, our church, uh, Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash groups slash South Bay Church. Once you're on Facebook, if you type that in, or you can just search for South Bay Church, but it's facebook.com slash groups Slash South Bay Church. But what I'd like you to do is this week sometime, see at the top where it says write something. My thing's not working. You see that, right? Post, write something. Just type up something that you read this week in your quiet time. Or something that, a scripture that, that impacted you. Or let's share with each other what we're learning from, from our regular status updates with God. Let's share some of the scriptures that we're learning. And I want to share something practical with you. This is uh, the Lord's Prayer. And, uh, you know, as a young Christian, I wasn't too into the Lord's Prayer because it's kind of traditional. You know, in a lot of traditional churches, they recite this a lot or you hear it a lot. It just kind of, by rote, it just becomes this thing. You know, so I, I was kind of like, eh, you know, I, I don't want to be religious. I, I like being spiritual and keeping it real in my prayer time with God. You know, but as a little bit, as I got a little bit older, I thought, you know, Jesus does say, this then is how you should pray. So if he said, this is how we should pray, maybe I ought to, you know, try that. And so I I started just trying to pray through the Lord's Prayer. And I'm telling you, the last several years I've been doing this, and I would say most days I pray through the Lord's Prayer. And it's really helped my relationship with God a ton. And, And I end up, you know, having a 30, 40 minute prayer just going through this. 
And it, and it becomes, for me, a, a great regular status update with God. And so I wanted to, to kind of show you what I do real briefly, because I could preach a whole sermon on this. But, you know, you start off going, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So you start off by, by praising God, kind of picturing God and who he is, and his name, and who he, you know, what he's done, praising him. And he's in heaven, you know, picturing he's in heaven, I'm on earth, what's his realm? You know, just kind of trying to open your eyes to who God is. That's a great way to start your prayer. And then you, then you pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So you're in heaven, hallowed be your name, you're, you're awesome, you're, I praise you, thank you for this, thank you for that. Now, now, let your will be done, let your kingdom come. What's God's kingdom? It's the, the domain of those who obey him and make him their king. That's the kingdom. May your kingdom come here. May your kingdom come there. May your will be done in this situation, in that situation. You know, God, help me to be what you want me to be. Help me to align myself with your will, not my will. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, you, you kind of get your status where it needs to be. And then, then, then give us today our daily bread. You know, you could talk through, I always talk through kind of what I have on my plate for that day and for that week. And here's what's, here's the, here's what I'm feeling. Here's the hunger pains I'm feeling today. And you see, this is meant to be a daily thing. Today, our daily bread. You know, here's what I need for today, God. And, and you're just putting it all there. The Bible says, cast your anxieties on Him, for He cares for you. So that's where I'll just tell God, here's what I feel anxious about. Here's what's on my plate. Give me, help me. You know, I rarely have to pray for actual daily bread because I've, I've got enough, you know, I've got plenty. But that might be my situation someday where I really literally don't know how I'm going to get fed today or feed my kids. That's what that's all about. Here's my needs, God. Forgive us our debts, for we also have forgiven our debtors. Or the other version says, forgive us our sins, for we forgive those who sin against us. This is where I just get open. You know, I try, try to confess every sin I can think of that, that's in my life right now. Just be transparent with God. Open myself up to God. Here's my sins. And then the Bible says, Jesus says, if you are praying and you realize you have something against somebody or somebody has something against you, you resolve it right away. And here it talks about forgiving those who sin against you. That's where you kind of clean that stuff out. So bitterness, because bitterness has a way of getting in there and gunking things up. So that's where you get that cleaned out. Your sin and your bitterness. And then, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Kind of what's ahead, the road ahead. Help me here, help me there. Lead me away from temptation. And lead me in what's coming. So, you know, another practical way of doing regular status updates is try this this week. At least one day, give it a try and see if it, if it helps you the way it's really helped me. I think we also need regular status updates with each other. It's amazing how one conversation with another disciple can change your whole day. And so make that your goal, that every day I'm going to connect with God and I'm going to connect with other disciples and just keep, keep everything going, keep the regular status updates going. For those of you who use Facebook, there's a couple different Facebook uh, type people. There's the type of people that are just on there constantly. You put anything on there and immediately they're, you know. Or there's the people that look at it about once every two, three weeks, you know. I'm typically more of a, you know, couple times a week person. But, you know, some people are on there all the time. But even as I was preparing this lesson, I, 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 put, the, I put, I'm a friend of God. Because that's the main thing I wanted to, to get, get across to you guys today. I'm a friend of God. That's, that's who we can become. That can be our status. And it's amazing all these people start putting stuff on there. And it's kind of like, this is cool. You know, when you, when you update your status regularly on Facebook, you get a lot of, a lot of connections going. 
And that's spiritually the way we should be, just constantly updating with each other and with God. Here's what's going on. Here's how I'm doing. How are you doing? You know, and, and really being real with all that. As we take communion, you know, this is what our status is because of Jesus. I am a friend of God. That, that, that Jesus' blood and his sacrifice on the cross made it possible. Remember how he said, all things are possible with God. With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Jesus knew he was on his way to the cross. He knew what he was going to do for that rich young man and for all of his guys. That he would pay the price so that we could become a friend of God. As we take communion here, we're going to um, be able to reflect on a song. Paulette's going to sing for us and then we'll sing together called I Am a Friend of God. I just want to read the lyrics for you uh, and then I'll pray for communion. And, you know, as we meditate on this, as we think about this, this should uh, affect us. I think communion itself is a status update. The Bible says you need to examine ourselves before we take the bread and the wine. And, and it's a time of participating in, in what he did for us and remembering what he did for us. And that should give us confidence. It should motivate us. It should give us faith. It should give us uh, gratitude in our hearts for what he did. It says, who am I that you are mindful of me, that you hear me when I call? Is it true that you are thinking of me, how you love me? It's amazing. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. Let's pray. God, thank you that because of Jesus and because of what he did for us, we can be a friend of God. Help each one of us to let go of the things that have our heart. Whatever it is, God, if it's uh, wealth like the man in the story, if it's uh, our, you know, our, our, our schedule, if it's a relationship, if it's a, a sin, whatever it is, God, help us to surrender that to you right now. And just make that decision to just give up and, and, and raise our hand and say, God, I need help. I surrender. And to, to accept that um, that you can do anything. And Father, I pray that if we've not been baptized, we would look into that and, and, and search the scriptures and find out more about what that's all about and be able to experience that rebirth and be made new and be able to have you look at us and see Jesus. And God, if we've uh, become Christians, but we've gotten stale in our Christianity, Father, help us to, to update our status today. Help us to, uh, right now, even make decisions that bring us back close into a relationship with you and help us to stay there following you, walking with you on the journey with you. Thank you for this time to remember. Amen.